Welcome to Om Times TV, a division of Om Times Media and Broadcasting. Welcome to the No BS Spiritual Book Club's live streaming interview series, where leading new thought teachers, speakers, and authors share the intimate stories behind the 10 best spiritual books that inspired them the most on their spiritual journey. From well-known classics to hidden gems you might never have heard of, the No BS Spiritual Book Club saves you time and money by sharing reliable recommendations from those who've walked the path before you. The No BS Spiritual Book Club, the only No BS guide to the best spiritual books to inspire your own journey of self-discovery. Here's your host, founder of the No BS Spiritual Book Club, Sandy Sedgbeer. Hello and welcome. Now, when you see names like Dolores Cannon and Brian Weiss on a person's 10 best list, you know that you're going to be talking to someone who has a deep interest in the other side. But in Jeanette Biro's case, the word interest doesn't even begin to cover it. A near-death experiencer herself, Jeanette Biro not only spent soul time on the other side learning how our life blueprint and soul's journey works, she's also a gifted clairaudient, clairvoyant, clairsentient and claircognizant medium and channeler who brings messages from spirits and other dimensions to inspire and inform us, as well as support the planet in its ascension. Uh, Jeanette shares her divine messages weekly on the Jeanette Biro podcast and through group sessions and courses in her company, Avalon Spirit Inc. Um, she's a former kinesiologist with a sports science diploma, and she's the author of a book, Avalon to Aurora, which details her near-death experience and the lessons divinely imparted to her. So, Jeanette Byro, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am so excited to be here to talk about the books that inspired me. Like I just, that concept alone is just stunning. So I'm like a kid in a candy store being able to, to talk to you today. Oh, good, good. So um, was it hard for you to pick just 10 books? You know, I, I thought it would be really easy. I thought it'd be like, oh, yeah, definitely these ones, that's it. But when I stood in front of my library, I mean, there was a few that were definite ones that I had to have, but I could have easily given you a list of 20 or 30 books because mm -hmm. there have been so many that I have read at precise times in my journey that provided the information that I needed at that time. So it, it was a lot harder than I thought. And you said it might be too. And so I laughed at myself when I stood there in my library. I was like, she was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is, it is a very unique experience, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. it takes you back in time. It does. It does. And that's what was so beautiful about it. It was like reviewing my journey through the books. And I was like, wow, I remember how I felt then and then and then. And so it was a beautiful experience. Good, good. Now, you wrote something when um, I asked you about what books mean to you. You wrote something that I thought was very interesting. You said that, um, you know, reading the words of an author is to see the world from a different lens, which is a great gift because the more lenses we try on, the more we come to know who we are and what mm -hmm. resonates as truth within us. And I think that that is something that is a really important thing to consider. Because finding out who we're not 
is a huge part of our journeys. And most of us actually don't think about that part. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's so true. And we need to, I always consider finding out who you are is like trying on outfits when you go shopping. You try mm -hmm. on many different things to see what resonates as me. And sometimes you might have a knowing of exactly what it is, but other times you might be surprised. But it's about trying it on. And so I find books give us that opportunity to try it on to help us figure out, you know, yeah. which lens resonates and which doesn't at the time, because it also might change. And that's the neat thing, too, is a book may not resonate at one point, but say two years down the road, that book might be just this amazing, revealing piece to your journey at that time. So, yes, I've had a few experiences like that, and it always um, amuses me. You know, that I tossed the book aside the first time thinking, yeah. eh. and then a few years later, clearly I was ready to receive the information. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So the list that you gave me, was it in chronological order? You know, the order that you read the books or just random? It was, it was pretty random. There is a little, uh, no, I can't say that it, it follows a specific order. Some of the books too, I had to read in sections. I had to read them bits at a time. So some of them I flew through in a day or two. So it really was just, I couldn't quite put them in an order, even if I tried because of the impact they had. It's, mm. it's, it's yeah. very, it's not linear to me. Well, the first book on your list is one I'm sure you will not be surprised. It turns up again and again and again. And it is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, published in 1988. One of those seminal books that uh, I think just about everybody has read. Mm -hmm. This book for me was like an initiation. To me, it felt like an initiation into really diving into my soul's journey. Mm. And the reason why was it because it really allowed me to ponder with my whole being my why then you know that idea of know your why why are yeah. you here and everyone's like what is yeah. my purpose what is my purpose and sometimes it's not really clear for some people it isn't for some it isn't and I found in reading this book I fell into the energy of the character as he was going through the stages of trying to discover his journey in a more linear intellectual way but really realizing there was a much bigger unfolding of the why within the soul's purpose and so mm. this book really it um it it allowed me the initiation into opening to something much more beyond the normal senses and so mm. I think it really was one that helped trigger me into accepting some of the gifts that were unfolding for me at the time, some I was okay with, some I was kind of like, I'm not sure what this is, what's going on. But this book landed on my path in, in such beautiful timing. And it's a book that I will purposely give to my children when they're older as like a rite of passage. It, it truly is one of those kind of books to me. Do you remember how you came across it, how it came into your life? No, I don't. I had, I remember I've heard, I'd heard some people talk about it, but I just, you know, it's kind of like, okay, sure. Um, all I remember in my memory is holding it in my hands. I can't think of where I was. I can't remember if someone gave it to me or if I was in the bookstore, but I just remember holding it in my two hands and the bright orange color and the yellow, you know, circle on the front just pulled me in. Like that's my memory of it. Mm -hmm. And there was something in it and the feel of the pages and everything about it. Again, it was like this initiation. It's amazing how some books carry that energy 
and you have to just sit and hold them afterwards and yeah. think think about what you read. You know, absolutely. Um, I love that. So, yeah. book number two is another one that comes up again and again. No surprises. Conversations with God, an uncommon dialogue by Neil Donald Walsh, published in nineteen ninety five. This book was. It, it almost makes me chuckle a little bit because I would always say as my gifts were opening and I was connecting with my spirit guides, I was somebody that although I'm deeply open to the spiritual realm and the curvilinear way of thinking, I also like structure. And so what I would always say to them is, can you not just give me a book or a checklist of things to do to spiritually awaken and open? What is the list? And they would say, Jeanette, there is no list. But what was beautiful is when I was, when I was guided to this book, it was like the closest thing I could get to, to my brain's desire to have answers, right? And so I love how Neil Donald Walsh speaks about that too, is he just wanted answers. So he started asking questions and he was amazed at the answers he was getting. And so it's a, it's in a way it can be like brain candy, but it's also soul candy, right? Like it fills the soul with, with answers, but it satisfies the brain's desire to understand. And what I found with this book, too, is that it really I had to take my time with it because there's so it's very there's so much density. And I don't mean in the negative. I mean, layers upon layers upon layers of understanding mm -hmm. that I would have to read it and then sit and ponder for a little bit and reflect on what I read. Because if you just for me, if I would have read through the whole thing, I would have missed so much. And so it's one of those books that I will sometimes just pick up and say, spirit, what do I need to know today? Or what do I need to remember? And I'll flip it open to a page and I'll read that. And it's, it's the inspiration or the answers or another layer is revealed. And that's what I love about his books. And, and I also love how clear of an answer they are. It, it's not a tough read in terms of the language. It's just mm. very clear, but the layers are in there. It's beautifully done. Mm. Book number three was a new one on me, Embers, mm -hmm. One Ojibwe's Meditations by Richard Wagamese, published in 2016. And uh, I didn't know much about Richard, but uh, I looked him up and what a story, what a life he lived. Absolutely. He, he is um, a beautiful observer of not only the natural world, but also culture and personal reflections and soul's growth. And he does that through his Ojibwe teachings, but he blends poetry. Some of his pieces are poetry based, but some are reflections of conversations with the elders in his community. And there's simple moments in time uh, where he's maybe asking a question of an elder of what does it mean to hate or what does it mean to be angry? And their responses are so wise. You can't help but just ponder it. And it's this one page at a time. It's the, the, the piece or the inspiration is but one page at a time, but that page has this lasting impact. And so I feel that his work is like a beautiful piece of art in written word. And I find that I bring this book with me often when I'm traveling. It's kind of like a companion because if I need to kill some time, I'll read it and flip to different pages and it's inspiring. But the same goes for if I'm deeply searching for something, I find reading through those helps ground my energy but also helps release a lot of the 3D narratives or baggage that sometimes we can accumulate just by getting too stuck in the 3D world. 
right? And mm-hmm. so I find his his book is beautiful. He has several. I haven't read all of them. Um, but this one specifically had to be on my list because of the fact that it's not a traditional fictional story or a biography or anything like that. It's just a surprise to the mind and the heart when you read it. And so I encourage anyone to read it. It's a beautiful companion. Yeah, I mean, there's something when somebody has had a really, really challenging life and then they produce something like this that's full of so much wisdom and so many insights for people. And, you know, they have every right to be angry. They have, every, you know, they've had so much pain in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he's one of Canada's foremost native authors and storytellers, a newspaper columnist, reporter, radio and television broadcaster, mm-hmm. and a documentary producer. But he lived a life on the streets. He was, um, his parents were both taken away from their uh, Native American people, or Canadian in their case, um, mm-hmm. and they were put into one of these institutions and they abandoned him when he was very young and his brothers and sisters and um, he was adopted by uh, religious people who beat him. Um, you know, the poor guy. And then wow. somehow, you know, I watched a little bit of a video of him talking about his childhood and uh, the life that he lived. And you think, how is it that somebody who goes through all of that can come out so, so, uh, so purified in a way? You know, instead of being angry and resentful and wanting to hit back, all he wants to do is give to the world. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful to see through his lens, right? To see exactly as you're saying, those experiences that could have changed him in such a different way. Yeah. Gave him the opportunity, I will say, to open. And, you know, some of his reflections on the falling snow. And how falling snow to him is magical. And the way he wordsmiths it into this beautiful poetic piece is just stunning. It, it's it's like a salve to the soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I'm going to check that one out for sure. Definitely. Um, number four, another one that I was not familiar with, is Sweeping with God by Kevin Semeniuk. Semeniuk. Uh, Semeniuk. Yeah. These Canadian names, you know, I spent quite a bit of time in BC and I find them really hard to pronounce. Um, Yes, 2014. So tell us about this book. So this is a really beautiful book. It's fictional. And it was one that fell on my path when I needed extra encouragement that either miracles do happen or there is purpose behind pain or purpose behind turmoil and loss. And um, I'm lucky to know this author. And, um, you know, this author is somebody who has lived quite a tumultuous life as well and has turned that again into this beautiful lens of love is all that matters. Love is the base reason for all things. And so what's beautiful in that is that in this story, he shows how love between uh, two romantic partners is everlasting, moves through lifetimes, but also the love between God, source, creator, whatever your word is, and you is also always there, consistent and everlasting. And then the love between families, and it's 
you know, this family trying to move through the deep questions after the loss of a daughter. And so it's, it's deep, but it's beautiful. And I remember reading this and I was in tears and reading the reflections that the character had in his conversations with the creator, with, um, you know, the love of his life. And it's based on this, this boy who's, I mean, I guess he's a teenager, but it's his young adult view of the world. And so what I found even more interesting was then talking to the author after I was like, what was going on in your mind when you wrote this? And he's like, I was inspired to write about love and it came through me. This was beyond me. These words came through me. And so I find that really consistent with his work as well. His uh, mini novels are just, they're, they're from beyond and they come through in the interpreted way that we can do so as humans. But it's again, yet another lens to show us that love is the base energy of all things. And that's what's, what matters. Mm-hmm. When will we learn? Yeah. When will we begin to accept that? So how did you come to meet the author? I met him through uh, a friend of a friend uh, many years ago. And uh, now he's become a dear friend of mine. And he has released some poetry as well. So it was kind of like a divine timing in which I met him. Um, and to understand more about him and how he moves through his work also really helped open me up to understanding the lenses behind authors and why they write about what they write, which then, you know, helped me understand my book. Um, There is something that moves through people at a time in which they're ready to write. And I think that something is something way beyond us. It's a moment in time. It's a destiny point. It's it's a divine timing. And I love that. That's why I love diving into the energies of what a book is. Cause I'm like, what was going on at this time? You know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because I work with a lot of authors and, um, you know, one of the things that I always tell them, it feels like the book, the book is there. It's always been there. It's like the sculptor who says, you know, the, the figure is there. I just have to chop away what isn't the figure in order for it to, shine and I feel the same way about authors and their books they're in them they're in you they're just waiting for that momentous you know opportunity when you start chipping away and let it come forth absolutely I agree I agree Mm. yeah Yeah. so book number five echoes of the soul moving beyond the light by world-renowned psychic echo Bodine published in 1999 this is the first of your beyond this life books Mm -hmm. this book I have read many times over actually and it was one that uh, when I first read it it came to me again at a pivotal point in my journey when I was really needing some more answers and so to read her story and her understandings really filled in a lot of blanks for me of what was happening with my mediumship what was happening with my reaches in awareness what I could access how to interpret but The reason why this book had to be on this list, it was a must have for me, was I remember a few days leading up to my near-death experience and I was really unwell. I remember I said to Spirit, I said, what is going on? I know somebody is about to die or something, but no one will speak to me clearly what is going on. And I was so ill at that time too. I was like, I don't have the time to deal with this. And so I remember... I was filling a bath and my guide said, go get Echo's book. And so I kind of was like, fine. 
you know, and I go downstairs to my library, grab the book. I'm like, what page do I read? And they said, flip it open. So remember, I flipped it and it just stopped and it landed at a page. And I have a, several of her books, but it landed at the page of what happens to a soul when they are preparing to cross over. And I remember I just sat in the tub and I read it and I still didn't clue in that that was me. I still was looking outward of who is this? Okay, someone is definitely preparing to cross over. Um, but it was so pivotal at, my, at that time. And the way my guides came through her writing at that time for me, this book is like a sense of comfort for me because it gave me some answers when I so desperately needed them. Even though I didn't fully understand the impact of it at the time, it was one of those really divine books. And so with that being said, I would really recommend this book to anyone who is curious about mediumship, how communication happens um, after people cross over. She's very well versed in her knowledge of healing and mediumship. Mm. So we're going to come back to her afterwards because and the other uh, people who've written about life beyond um, after the break. We're going to take a short break now. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a few moments. Om Times TV. Maya Angelou once said that there is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. I'm Sandy Sedgbeer, and when I'm not hosting Om Times Media's flagship radio show, What Is Going On, and the No BS Spiritual Book Club, I help people share their untold stories. Books are my life, my joy, and my passion. And there is no greater reward than helping aspiring writers get their books out of their heads and into the hands of those who are waiting to read them. If you feel that you have a book in you, but don't know where to begin, visit sedgebeer.com, click on the Work With Me tab and find out how my experience helping others tell their stories might be just what you've been looking for. That's sedgebeer.com, S-E-D-G-B-E-E-R.com. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Own Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. Through our produced shows, Own Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an Own Times magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on Own Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive Own Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. Ohm Times, open yourself to the possibilities. There are 16 million children struggling with hunger in America. That's one in five daughters, sons, neighbors, and classmates who don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yet billions of pounds of good food go to waste every year. It's time we do something about it. Feeding America is a nationwide network of food banks that helps provide meals to millions of kids and families in need. Visit feedingamerica.org to help them feed even more. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Welcome back. Jeanette Viro, you um, 
talked about uh, Echo Bodine's book before the break. Um, and you obviously had your own near-death experience um, after that incident. Had you had your near-death experience before uh, you read the next book, which is uh, Between Death and Life, Conversation with the Spirit by Dolores Cannon? Uh, no, I had I read the book before my near-death experience. Yeah, that one I had read a couple years before. Um, and that one, I mean, by the time I had my near-death experience, which was only three years ago, I'd been a practicing medium already for a decade at least. So I already had a working knowledge to, to my understanding of how the spirit world works and, you know, thousands of hours of communication with spirits and in sessions. So when I came across Dolores Cannon's book, I loved it because I loved how, again, it was very easily read because they're transcripts of her sessions, right? In which she's regressing people into not only earlier lives, not only past lives, but this one specifically is on the in-between life. When yeah. we're in spirit, when we're in that phase of deciding, you know, when are we going to come back? How do we want to come back? What do we want to do? But also the experience of transitioning, of crossing over. Where do we go? What does it look like? And how vast and varied it is. And so I found when I read this book, I loved it because it was almost like that checklist I wanted before when my awakening first started of how things work. Reading it after I felt I had a pretty good understanding was validating for me because much of what she said in there was validating the things that I came to understand from spirit of, you know, what the soul does when they cross over, what it can look like, how we create our blueprints coming back in, all of those things. And so this is definitely a book I would recommend to people if they really want to understand how the death and rebirth aspect of our soul's journey occurs. It's one that I recommend to my clients often, and I've recommended it to my family members as well so that they could better understand what I, the world I was working in, but in a very clear, concise, and simple way. Because again, it's question, answer, question, answer. And so I love the template for it. Um, and I have read many of her books as well. So again, I could have done this whole show on just her books, mm -hmm. but this one really stood out because it was very specific to death and, and rebirth and the in-between. So when you had your near-death experience, did you, did everything you know, pan out just the way that Echo had said and Dolores had said? Or did you find that that wasn't your experience at all? Uh, there, was, there was definitely similarities, but it wasn't exactly as I would have imagined it. it the, the, loving, the loving embraces I felt from those on the other side was so much more than I could ever express. The closest thing I can say is it's like when a toddler throws themselves in your arms, and just, just this full-bodied love. That's what it feels like to reunite with people. However, I was so surprised that when I landed on the other side and I ended up at this, this scene, if I will, of a summer barbecue is where I reconnected with everyone. I would have thought based on where I go in meditations and our ability to create, I would have gone to a tropical island. It would have been my other side, but it was like a summer barbecue. But at the same time, in reflection, I see how perfect that was and easy, right? But I think their books, they didn't give me an outline for how it should be, but reading the, the many variations of how it can be 
I think probably allowed me to have a very unlimited memory of the event in which it didn't feel like it had to fit certain parameters because of what's been said already. It was my experience based on what my soul needed. Mm. Well, yeah. we'll revisit this again after <laughs> we finish talking sure. about your books. But book number seven, again, another one that shows up time and time again. Don't you just love these classics? Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa mm -hmm. Yogananda, published in 1946. Yes, this one was one of um, one that was recommended to me by my guides. They were very specific and, and I actually didn't want to get the book. I wasn't feeling drawn to it. Um, you know, I was really enjoying kind of the past life regression type books at the time, but they're like, you really need to read this one. And I remember in reading it, it really helped me detach another layer of my ego or my perceived way of knowing how things work right mm -hmm. and it did this because the reflections that he wrote about of having to learn deep patience right how his guru had him get to know his own issues with patience and surrender and I could not help but read that and be feel like that was reflecting a mirror right at me and patience has always been a big journey for me in this lifetime and it was very much spiritually as well, because there were many times that my impatience got in my way of further evolution and unfolding of gifts and abilities, but also understandings of myself. And so this one, this book definitely taught me patience, but it also taught me that it's okay to have a different path than other people. It's okay to be slightly different than you know, your friend group or your family group or how you were when you were younger. It's okay to have a time in which your life changes and calls you in a different way. And if people don't quite understand that, which thankfully I had many that were understanding, if, even if they maybe didn't get what was happening, they could hold the space. But it allowed me to feel a strength of, okay, mediumship is happening to me. This isn't a thing that runs through our family per se it's okay. And I can follow this journey and open it up and embrace it and learn a lot of patience along the way. So this, it really came at a time when I needed to embrace my gift to an, another degree. And uh, I would recommend this to anybody who feels a pull, a pull, sorry, to spirituality. This is definitely one that helps you kind of center and get rooted again and mm -hmm. helps peel off some ego layers that sometimes come when we awaken. Sometimes we start to awaken to gifts and we start to think, oh, look at me, look what I can do, right? Mm -hmm. And this helps you kind of shake that out a little bit and be like, okay, let's humble ourselves again here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a great one to listen to as well. You know, I read the book many years ago and then I listened to the uh, CDs um, mm -hmm. some years later and uh, it's a whole different experience. Yeah, beautiful. Mm -hmm. So book number eight, Messages from the Masters, Tapping into the Power of Love, Brian Weiss, MD, published in 1999. This one makes me laugh because when you mentioned in the beginning, sometimes, uh, you know, we don't read one for a long time and then we think, how could we have not? This one was given to us by my father-in-law. And when I saw it, I was like, yeah, okay, maybe at some point. And it was on the shelf for a couple of years, a couple of years. And I say that my eyes go wide now because I think, how could I have not? 
but divine timing is always at play for when things fall into our path. And, and this one, um, spirit will often lead me to locations or things that I need at a certain time. And this one was really a call to go down to my little library. And when I say library, it's a shelf, one bookshelf, right? And I stood in front of there and I was like, what do you guys need me to see? And the title of his book just kept jumping out. And I had seen it before and I was like, oh, I just didn't feel a draw before. And again, it's emphasis on this title. So I remember I, I pulled it out and I devoured the book. Like I just, I couldn't stop reading it. And again, it came at a time where I wanted or I was looking for more answers to understand the implications of our past lives, the relationships and how they bond through different lifetimes. And I had been seeing many of those connections through mediumship sessions that I was doing with clients, but this helped give a greater foundation to understand that, how things that come up in this lifetime can have a direct effect or a correlation to past lives and that can also play into relationships. And when we see it from that lens, when we step back and we put that lens, sometimes we can detach from, you know, maybe even some of the trauma energies or frustration energies or why is this person bothering me or why is this happening? It's like, I wonder, was this repeated before? What mm. is that telling me then? What can I look at differently now? because this could very well be a repeated pattern from lifetimes before, because there's no origin in this life. So it encourages people to look beyond this life, go farther and see, connect with the multifaceted nature of yourself and see what's there. There are answers there. And so this is a great book for people that are interested in uh, regression type experiences, because again, it's very, he shares a lot from his sessions. Yeah. So it's, it's an easy read and, it's also very inspiring. It's very love-based and, you know, it keeps coming back to that energy. Same with like Kevin Semenyuk's books of love is really the root of our soul's energy. And it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah. Mm. Well, talking of love, book number nine, just a beautiful, beautiful book. Anna, Grandmother of Jesus, A Message of Wisdom and Love by Claire Hartsong. And that was published in 2002. That was an eye-opener for me as well. Mm -hmm. Very much. This, this weaves uh, channeled information with historical timeline. Mm -hmm. I thought that was beautiful because for me personally, that satisfied both the spiritual side of myself and the linear nature of historical events. And so I thought that was a beautiful co-creation on those two parts. And this book really... I think is for those that are searching for the deeper meanings of things, rituals, understanding, sacred practices, even divine feminine energies, like where it came from and what it really means and how it's been distorted over the years and also how to get back to it. It was this beautiful thing that also to me really expressed the, you know, kind of ties into the past life stuff that we were talking about, but how divine the timings of our lifetimes are and how you know we have these people that come into incarnations who have deep knowings as to why they're here and maybe what foundations they're laying for future generations mm -hmm. and so this book really encouraged me to think outside the box of known history to question a little bit more and also to really dive into that kind of divine feminine goddess nature 
within self, you know, that, that pulse that runs through us all. Mm. Yeah. So book number 10, uh, a book that you say transformed your energy from the inside out, the Sophia Code or Sophia, a living transmission from the Sophia Dragon Tribe by Kaya Ray, Kaya Ra, published in 2016. This one definitely was very, uh, it's a very deep read. It's kind of like conversations with God in that I couldn't read it fast. I've read it twice now, a couple years apart. And there are so many layers within the layers of it. It's not just a simple read on vacation. There is energetics behind the words in this one specifically. So I feel like it's a next level. If there was an order, I would suggest the Anna Grandmother of Jesus first, then this book. This mm -hmm. book really calls you to connect into the deep esoteric energetic cosmic nature of self through the different emanations of the goddess the goddess form from isis to hathor to mother mary to kuan yin um, it dives into each of the soul journeys behind those representations and then as you read it it's like it it brings that up within self and then there's um these initiation statements at the end that you can go through that depending where you're at in your journey can really open up greater energy. And so I remember the first time I read it, I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff in here. It's really great. But then again, my guide said, Jeanette, you need to read this again. So I was like, okay. And when I read it the second time, it's like I read a whole different layer altogether that really resonated and opened up or expanded my frequency. So if someone is looking for a really frequency expanding journey through literature, this one really has words that transform into frequencies that really move through you if you take your time with it. Just definitely don't want to rush this one. This is one that some for some people I've talked to simply holding the book, they can feel the power that's in the book. It's almost like it kind of reminds me of like an old grimoire. If you were to find an old grimoire somewhere that had these incantations or divine secret knowledge, it feels like that, but it's all representative of the light and the light within. So how did it come into your life? This one came, this one, I remember actually, I found it on Amazon. I felt like I, there was a book I was looking for and I didn't know what it was. So sometimes I'll just start typing in different things. And uh, I was scrolling through and the imagery on the front is what caught my eye. It was white, it was bright. And there's kind of like, it looks like pearlescent diamondy type um, images on it. And there was something that pulled me in. And again, the Sophia Code, the title really pulled at me too, because Sophia being the Holy Sophia, the divine feminine emanation of, of the creator, really that energy had already been connecting to me. So for me, it was like, it just was this draw, this, this pull into it, kind of the way that I felt pulled to read The Alchemist. There was mm. something about it that just, I needed to read it. And I will probably read that book again. I think that'll be one that I'll probably read several times through my life at certain points to read yet another layer. How much do you know about the author, Kaya Ra? Um, I did, I've read just some of her bios. I know she had a very tumultuous life, um, moved through a lot of 
hardships to get to where she is and to awaken to her information. Um, yeah, General, what did you find out? Um, I just looked at a, a video, um, just a few minutes of a video of her, and I was struck by her youth um, and her body of work, you know, for somebody who appeared to be so young. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and her beauty. I mean, there was something about her that I thought, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I wasn't aware of her before, but this is somebody I need to check into and, and yeah. see what else she's done. It Clearly, you know, she's got a deep knowledge. Um, she does. And it makes you wonder, where's it coming from? <laughs> Absolutely. And what's interesting with her, though, is like she experienced severe traumas in her life that could have, again, sent her down a totally different path. But it's like through those experiences, she tapped into something so much more, which really allowed her to embody that light. So, yeah, it would definitely be worth exploring more because her, mm, her writing yeah. is very interesting. How so? Just like you're saying, the breadth of knowledge. It's like, how do you embody this? But at the same time, I can understand that because I've had moments myself of divine information downloads, channels that come through. And I know that's way beyond me. That's not my brain. But it's yeah. beautiful when that stuff comes through. So you can feel a lot of that in her work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's your 10 best list. I mean, if you were to choose one of them above all others, which would it be? That is a challenging question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's really, you know, for what purpose? Exactly. <laughs> a little bit different, yeah. Exactly. I don't think I could. I don't, it would, you would definitely need the qualifiers of what purpose. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I'll ask you another question then. If you had to give nine away, which one would you keep? <laughs> which one would I keep? <laughs> oh, I would keep, I would probably keep embers. I probably would. Um, mm. just because that speaks to me so deeply for me continually and the other books I would want for other people to gain insights from the stories, but embers continues to give back to me. So I think I would keep that one, Okay. but I still think everybody should read it too. So, yeah. Well, that's your 10 base list. Now let's talk a little bit more about you. Um, you have all the clairs. You've got a false hand of clairs there. Mm -hmm. um, were you always gifted in this manner or is this something that revealed itself to you later in life? So retrospectively, I can see the order of which it kind of opened. So I didn't have them all open and ready all at the same time. But I can remember even back to the age of five years old, I was very clairsentient. So I could feel the presence of, I would feel that there were people in my room at nighttime and I knew it. And I knew the difference between when I was just afraid because maybe we watched a scary movie or I heard something scary to when I knew and could feel their presence in my room. I would go to sleep at night and put all the covers over my face so that I wouldn't open my eyes and see someone standing there because it's like I knew they were there. But the visual representations of them didn't start coming until about 15. When I was 15, I saw my grandmother after she passed. And by the age of 17 is when the clairaudience started to come in, which was very confusing for me, because 
I started to think I, you know, must be mentally unwell somehow because I was hearing things. And sometimes I would hear them in my own mind, sometimes a different tone of voice, sometimes my own voice, but I knew it wasn't my thought. And so it was very whirly. So I had strong clairsentience always, then clairvoyance popping up here and there, but I kept trying to find a reason to, you know, it must have been a dream. It must have been this or that. Then the clear audience came in, which really challenged me into having to deal with anxiety. However, that was such a foundational piece for my entire journey was to get a good handle on knowing what's mine and what's not. So the experience of diving into the anxiety for a couple of years and then really working my brain, it taught me how to work my brain essentially. And when I could tell my brain to turn off at certain points and we're not going to run a tangent on this because there is no fear or panic there. When I started to be able to have that stern, clear-cut relationship with my mind, then I could further open to spirit to then interpret more. And so it was probably around the ages of uh, my early 20s, 21, where all of the clairs were pretty open by that point. And then I had to really dive into a deeper level of understanding and accepting my gift. But had I not gone through the anxiety piece, I wouldn't have been able to really be more clear in my discernment and not take it all on as my issue. I could recognize what was mine and what wasn't. And if it wasn't mine, then I knew that it was spirit. Mm. Now, you said that you saw your grandmother about Mm -hmm. the age of 15. Um, When did the mediumship come in? Was it then or was it later? You were actually Uh, communicating. Yeah, it came in a little bit later. So around my early 20s is when the mediumship came in strongly and I knew I had to learn about it because I was starting to see people in the kitchen and in the hallway and I was starting to, you know, hear things when I was at work or at school or I'm talking to my professors and they're glowing because I'm seeing their aura and I'm getting insights of how they're feeling and, you know, spirits saying this, it, it kind of all converged and was like, you need to work on this now. You know, so it was interesting because it happened uh, quite quickly, yet in retrospect, I can see how it started to unfold over time. So it was a deep dive into mediumship to make sense of it. But I have to say, once I did that, I started to finally feel like I was figuring out who I was because before the things would just happen to me and I wouldn't know how to explain it. Nobody really understood. And so I just dealt with it by trying to ignore it and move on, which is not easy when it comes to mediumship. You can't ignore it. It's there. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, some mediums just work one-on-one. Some do platform work where, you know, they've got numbers of people in the audience and they just pick out whoever, you know, they're told to pick out. What do Mm -hmm. you do? Do you do a bit of both? Um, I have done group sessions before. I prefer when doing mediumship to do the one-on-one work, I find that we can just get so much deeper. But um, I really, right now, I spend more of my time actually helping others open up to their own innate gifts and abilities. So I do a light worker mentorship circle now to help people do that because we're in a space right now where more people are opening up to natural gifts and abilities. It doesn't mean they all have to become mediums, but Spirit guides are wanting to connect in with people a lot more. So I've been focusing more on my time of teaching people the skills that I've learned in a clear and concise way 
And I always say to them, it's like, I'm teaching you how to pack your mediumship backpack with all the things that I know. And then you go on your journey and you choose what you keep. You add what you want, but at least you have a foundation. So that's where a lot of my focus is now that and other teaching platforms. But my base rooting with mediumship has been one-on-one sessions. I've done years and years and years worth of them and they continue to amaze me in the beautiful stories and healing and laughter that comes through even in some of the craziest circumstances the amount of humor that spirit can still have on the other side is just beautiful it's it's interesting i mean i've interviewed a number of people who are mediums um and uh it seems that there are different stories uh about you know what happens on the other side, how they communicate, um, how they move through their world, um, you know, some of which can be quite um, quite unique. You know, I've read uh, some that make me go, hmm, I've never heard that one before. Um, do you find that your experience seems to jive with other mediums or? Yeah, I think there are uh, many similarities. But that being said, every medium does tend to work a little bit differently. So, I mean, I was watching the Tyler Henry show on Netflix a little while back, and it was interesting to see his mediumship. And I was watching with my husband, and and I was like, yeah, you know what? I do that the same as him, and that's the same as me. I'm like, oh, but that's really different. Like, I see a lot more visuals, and I'll see spirit. And Tyler said, he's like, I don't see them as much. He's like, that would freak me out if I saw them. But it doesn't mean that the messages would necessarily be that different. There are some mediums who are very strong in clairsentience. And so they just feel everything. They can feel what the person would look like. They can feel the message. They can feel the clarity. But they don't see or hear anything. And where others, I know some others who they only hear. They don't see anything. They don't feel anything. They just hear it and they repeat it. Um, So I think there are base similarities. But I also think the spirit world will work through what works easiest for that medium. So for me, one of the easiest is really uh, visuals, visuals mm. and clairsentience more than anything. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What, what is the um, most common question you get asked about mediumship from somebody who's looking to connect with someone on the other side? Uh, right away, it's who do you see behind me? Who's around me right now? <laughs> that's, that's the first that's the first uh, thing people say yeah always and then um usually it's i want to hear something that will prove that it is so and so it's always that proof point um yeah. which is fair question absolutely fair question and you know sometimes spirit is able to bring that through very specific with a name with the you know the way that they passed um and sometimes it's a little more vague most of the time, though, there's going to be something that resonates in accuracy for the person. It depends, too, on the spirit's ability to come through. So it's when, there's, when we communicate in spirit, my frequency has to go up and spirit has to lower theirs yeah. to create a yeah. match point. If, for some reason, I'm really tired that day and I can't quite get up, we might not get the best message. Just as if the spirit's not well-versed on how to lower their frequency, they may not be able to hold a low frequency long and they may bounce up and down. Right. So there's different factors. Majority of the time, though, we get a really beautiful link, which creates beautiful um, connections. 
So it's, there's many ways in which that piece of info can come through. I've had it come through, like I said, as the name and the way they pass, that's very common, but I've had it come through with, um, you know, a visual. And I might say your dad in spirit is saying you spilled the orange juice on the counter and shattered the glass this morning and then swore really loud. And the person will be like, oh my gosh, I totally did. And that's all they need for the validation. Uh, whereas others, you could give them lots of validation. And if they're really deep in grief, it's not quite enough and understandably. Yeah. So it really varies. I always say to my clients, this, like I'll lay out how it can work, all the ways in which it can work, but we won't know what comes through until we jump in because every yeah. session is different. And it just depends on the links, the spirit, how they come through, the energies, all of that. And so I always say, we just roll with it. And so uh, that's one of the best ways I find it works because then we let spirit take over and they bring through amazing, beautiful insights. It's just, it's, it's beautiful that we can still connect mm -hmm. and we do still go on. And to be able to bring that through for people is like such a huge honor in my life. And what about people who say, but I never get anybody, nobody ever shows up for me. You know, I've heard people say this, you know, they mm -hmm. go to different mediums and there's never anybody there for them. What's yeah. going on there? Well, that can be a couple of different reasons. So sometimes it could be that the medium isn't able to create the link for whatever reason. It could be that perhaps the spirit they're hoping to hear from isn't available yet. Sometimes when people cross over, they need some time to rest and gather their soul fragments, go through their life review. Some it's instant. Others, they need time to collect themselves in a way. And that can be two days in our linear time and sometimes many years. So that can be a reason. Another reason too, though, sometimes is they're not ready to hear the information. And so spirit will hold it back. And then I've also seen sometimes people come and they're so afraid, their energy is so afraid, even though they're there, but they're so yeah. afraid, it's not the right time energetically for them. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were a kinesiologist and um, what I know of kinesiology, I mean, you cannot help but develop your uh, energy awareness you know, uh, when you're working with people, you're working at such a fine level. I find the kinesiologists that I've met, um, was that something that uh, you think was preparing you for refining your abilities yeah. in some way? I would imagine so. Um, I would imagine so. I think it also, it really taught me how to yeah, I think tune into my own body as well to receive insights and awareness about other people, but also then tune into other people's bodies. And when I was working as a kinesiologist and I would have people to come in for training uh, or injury rehab or whatever that may be, I started to notice so many more things about them. It's like it was a gateway. And I remember like I had a client come in one time, walked in the door and he had this big murky green aura. And I remember I looked at him and I was like, you're not well, are you? He's like, well, my lungs are kind of bugging me. I was like, you're not well at all. You need to go home. That was all because of his aura, right? And it turned out, I think he had some lung infection or something. So it really, I started to be able to sense people more because I was working more hands-on with them. It gave me an outlet to have 
my hands or left brain mind be busy and the right brain could really open up more. So it, it was a neat transition. And um, a lot of my clients at that time started to know that, you know, if they came to train with me, they were going to get more than just physical training or injury rehab. There was going to be some spiritual component or insights. And then eventually just the mediumship took over and yeah. Mm. And here I am. So tell us about your near-death experience. What actually happened and how did it change you? Oh, so my near-death experience um, changed me in that it opened me up that much more. It uh, refined my gifts and abilities and my access to the higher realms to much more, maybe like a faster processing speed if we could compare it to that. Um, and it was really an eye-opening experience. And I say that because, like I said, I already had a working experience of mediumship and how thousands of souls had explained how they crossed over, what it looked like, what it was like for them. And I would always get to see that through their eyes or as if I was watching a movie. But the difference for me when I had my near-death experiences, I was like two feet on the ground over there. That was very different. There's no way it's one and the same. People ask, was it like an astral travel though? And it's like, no, it wasn't. I was literally there. And so for me, it happened during a routine surgery. Um, I had been hemorrhaging really badly up until that point with my monthly cycles. And so we were going to do a, a routine surgery to fix that part of the problem. And so it was a 20 minute surgery, but there was this energy in me leading up to it that by the time they went to put me under, and the anesthesiologist put the mask on me, I felt like a kid who was ready to go down a water slide and couldn't wait. It was so interesting. And I figured, oh, I might see some cool vision or something. But I didn't realize that as soon as they put me under, I popped over on the other side. And that's when I landed on that grassy area. And my grandmother, who was in spirit, was with me. And I remember walking, I was bare feet, walking up on the grass and I could zoom in on the grass if I wanted just by where I was standing and see the details of it. I remember like zooming in and then I noticed the blue, the beautiful blue sky, like the brightest blue summer day sky. And as I came up around is when I started to see those picnic tables with the red and white checkered cloth. There's this barbecue setting. And as I got there is when I saw all of my you know, family members and friends from this lifetime, but then also lifetimes before. And it was so normal. It was so incredibly normal to see them and to hug them. And so I spent what felt like hours, hours there, reminiscing, catching up on what have you been up to? Where did you go in this next life? And it was just so incredibly joyful. It was like bliss, but not an excess. Like we think bliss on this planet is like excess. It wasn't, it was perfectly harmonious and I knew exactly where I was and so after I spent what felt like hours there my grandmother then took me to this other place and I call it the room of the blueprints and it was this white room with this giant white boardroom table and outside the windows were like galaxies but it was the edge of the universe where the universe is creating itself it was like right on the edge it was this point of creation and so when I went to stand by the table and my counsel or my guides were around me, they rolled out these blueprints. And I remember I, 
I kind of almost chuckled. It was interesting to see it as blueprints. I was like, this looks like architecture blueprints. And what I noticed was there was this long line down the center, this iridescent line that was kind of still pulsing back and forth. And so that meant that I was still alive. So we went through with my guides, everything in my life, basically a life review up to that point of where we were at the table at that moment. And after we did that review is when they asked if I wanted to stay where I was or go back. And I was kind of like, oh, well, no, I want, I want to go back. I have other things I want to do. And I never felt fear in it. I never felt like I had to fight to go back, but I never wanted to stay, which is interesting because it's so, so beautiful, so beautiful there. And so they asked if I wanted to go back. And when I said, no, I'd like, you know, I would like to go back. Then they said, all right, with what you have left in your life now, you can change some things around. And this is when I really learned how true it was that we do create different significant destiny points in our blueprint before we come into this life. Because what I had just finished doing was reviewing what I had had planned before, but then changing now based on what I'd gone through, what I wanted to do for this next part. And so they said, you can change any of the juncture points, as I called them, but you'll only remember the first one. And so I remember pulling out the first, it looked like a fuse, almost from a fuse box. I pulled it out and it was one of chronic health issues. And up until this point, I always had something wrong. Like Jeanette was known for always being sick, something wrong, issues all the time. And I was like, you mean I can take this out? And they're like, yes, you're done with that lesson. I'm like, seriously, I kind of, I was like, okay, we'll see. So I put it down. I remember I grabbed a, like a different one and put it in. I was kind of like, I really can do this. And then I went through and I changed a couple more. But again, they said, you won't remember the other ones until they occur, but you'll remember the first one. So it was after that, that they asked me again, are you sure you want to stay or uh, do you want to go back? And and I remember seeing my higher self see me and I was both. And this, again, it doesn't make sense in our minds per se, but I was both. I was the me as I am speaking to you now. I was also my higher self. And when I saw how much my higher self absolutely valued the human experience and how impactful it is and how I could do so much more, there was just no question of why wouldn't I come back? Like I could Feel that emanation and joy and awe and wonder for the amazingness of what is a human life and the triumphs and the pitfalls and all of it. And, um, and so I was like, yes, I do want to come back. And they showed that had I decided to stay, my body was weakened enough that it would have been a simple, a simple switch. They kind of showed me like flicking a switch and I would have had a heart attack on the table and been done. They wouldn't have been able to revive me. And so I was like, no, I definitely want to go back. And so um, they said several things will happen in rapid succession to get you on your path. But part of my agreement with them was that I would use my voice and speak up and share what I know. I wouldn't just, you know, I, all my mediumship before had just been word of mouth and I was very busy. I was packed schedule, but it was all word of mouth and it kind of kept it that way. And so I decided when I came back, I was like, I'll step up. And I created the podcast and we created Avalon Spirit and I created the courses and honored who I was and so many of these books played a part of those pieces pieces of knowledge that came together and so then it was time to come back and within the moment of 
deciding that I was coming back, I heard the nurse in the recovery room say, Jeanette, are you awake? And I felt my spirit go like whoop right back into my body. I could still feel my grandmother there. And again, this all happened within two, three seconds. My higher self came in because I am not clear after surgery. I've had surgeries before and I'm not clear. I'm actually quite funny and slurring and all of that. Very clearly said to the nurse with my eyes still closed, I need you to write something down. I am a medium and I need you to write down these four phrases. They're very important. And then I need you to fold up the paper and put it in my hand. And I remember hearing this like, holy smokes. And the nurse was like, okay, honey, what do you need? And she wrote down the things I needed, folded it up, put it in my hand, and then was like, what do you need for pain meds? And I knew that my higher self jumped in before there was any kind of pain meds or anything, because then I would question or I would doubt or things like that. And so I um, have this thing on my desk, actually, that is the paper that has those words that wouldn't make sense to anybody, um, but they were key words that when I was ready, I would remember everything. And so I remember after the surgery, um, coming home, I was at my parents' house for a few days to recover. And I had this amazing joy to be present on earth. I Like it just, it was the most joy. I mean, it's like joy, like kids feel on Christmas kind of joy, but not in excess. And, and so then I remember a couple days later, once the, any pain meds were out of my system, my guide said, it's time to read that paper. And so I went and I unfolded it. And as soon as I read those four phrases, uh, the details of the whole memory came right back in. And I remember I said to my parents, I have to tell you a story. And so I told them all of it. And I started writing my book that day. I just started writing it all out page after page, handwritten at first. And, um, and that was my experience. And so, yeah, like it, it changed me in that feeling that joy filled my heart like you can't imagine. Um, and it really allowed me to view how amazing the human lifetime is and how much we value it as a soul, but how that soul consciousness is different from our human consciousness. So it's okay if our human consciousness questions because we still have our soul consciousness that is knowing what's going on on the yeah. other side. And so it taught me how we do create the destiny points in our lifetime, but it also taught me that free will as a human being is also so deeply honored by the other side. And so we create the destiny and our free will choices dictate how we move through it. And so conscious choice is one of our greatest human gifts on this planet. What do you want to do about this? And what do you choose? The next best thing. So that's my story in a nutshell. There's so much more in my book that explains more about it, but it was profound. And since then, like I said, my gifts and my access to spirit, the speed in which they come in um, and the insights that come through has really increased significantly. What were the uh, lessons that were divinely imparted to you to help the rest of the world live a life full of joy? love and purpose there i mean there are so many so there's a whole section in my book about those lessons um but some of the standout ones are you know taking time to pause in the moment and really reflect on how you're feeling what do you feel in this moment and then what do you want to do about it right what is 
again, conscious choice being the greatest lesson that I actually created a meditation about it, simply about conscious choice. Um, also perspective being a big one, the idea of lenses, like we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. The lens that you choose to view something from can be different depending on the lens. So be conscious of the lens, right? You can try them all on, but be conscious of which one you are embodying, you know? And then some of the other lessons were embodying joy in moments, like make, make the most of moments. And what reflected that was the hugs that I had from people on the other side, those hugs in those moments were divine. And I can go back to that moment anytime, even me talking to you about it right now, I feel it through my whole being. I feel that energy. And so that moment has a profound impact forevermore. And at the same time, knowing that, then we can also go back to moments that were really challenging and we can start to change them based on seeing if we can see it from a different lens. What else can we learn about that moment? And does it need to continue looping either as a trauma or a trigger? Or can we see it from a different lens? So there, there were several different lessons, but they were very, they're not hard lessons and they're not difficult to understand. A lot of them are actually like, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. But it's bringing a light to them again so that we take the time to ponder it. Did you, um, were you given any insight into the future of, of humanity? Yeah. So a couple months after, maybe six months after that experience, I started channeling these guides called the three guides of the light. They are light consciousness. Um, they don't need to be embodied. When they first came through to me, they showed themselves as shadow outlines. And they said they were doing that so my brain would understand they were a group of consciousness but they're like we are light we don't need embodiment and they have been beautiful guides uh since we moved through the pandemic and all of that they came in in 2020 and essentially what we're going through right now specifically from 2020 to 2024 is a massive ascension in consciousness in terms of a hundred years they said worth of intellectual and spiritual consciousness condensed into a span of four years so we've been moving through rapid awakening, ascension, questioning, changing, crumbling. Um, it doesn't mean it will be simply over come 2025. This decade of 2020 to 2030 is highly changing, highly revolutionary. But the beautiful thing they did say is that the amount of people that are choosing to go inward and question themselves, and that doesn't have to be meaning they take on a deep spiritual journey. It means they're consciously questioning who they are and what they're about and their why, right? The amount of people that are doing that is changing the frequency on the planet. And so we are seeing a rise in frequency. And as that happens, it causes the old frequencies to have to crumble. So we're in the midst of two opposing forces or two uh, dominant sequential mm -hmm. narratives right now, but the light is not willing to go backwards. Neither is Mother Earth willing to go backwards. She's already sitting at a 5D consciousness. So we have a lot moving from underneath and above to help humanity ascend. So to make that as small or as short as I can, humanity is heading in the right direction, even though sometimes in the 3D we don't see that. That is simply being viewed in the 3D narrative. Mm -hmm. So to me, there's a lot of light and brightness, and that's why there's so many people with gifts and abilities here at this time talking about things that are different and shining a light on it. And, you know, I think that's also why my soul decided to come back and 
share what I can. Well, we're glad you did come back. Um, okay, we're almost out of time. Um, last question, what are you reading now? What am I reading now? I am reading, uh, I have a couple different books on the go right now. I have, um, one is on the consciousness of trees. I can't remember the name of it. The Hidden Lives of Trees. The Hidden Lives of Trees right now. Um, I'm reading, really enjoying that one. Uh, I do have another Dolores Cannon book that I was reading, The Three Waves of Volunteers, is another good one that's on my shelf. Um, and I want to go back to the one about the trees, though. There is so much in nature that's coming alive right now. Frequencies in nature, knowledge energetically stored in trees. And my guides had told me about this before. And then a year later, I happened upon this book. Again, that's how it tends to happen. Um, so I really encourage people to connect into the natural world around them. Plants, animals, earth is already at a higher frequency than we are as a collective of humanity. So there's a lot of energy and insights and healing that can come from connecting to that and learning about it. So yeah, that's kind of where my mind is indulging real. Very good. Very good. Um, Jeanette, am I, did I pronounce your last name correctly? Is it Biro? Is it Biro? Yeah. No, Byro. It is Byro. Okay. It is, yeah. I, I don't want to be rude and uh, be telling everybody that it is something else. Um, I think that's it. Uh, we're pretty much out of time, I'm afraid. Um, thank you so much for sharing your 10 best spiritual books with the No BS Spiritual Book Club. Oh, well, thank you. It, like I said, it has been a beautiful journey of reminiscing and, you know, just re-experiencing the journey from a different lens now in retrospect and so thank you so much for the opportunity ah oh, you're welcome it's been a pleasure well you can learn more about Jeanette Byro's book her courses her group sessions her trainings her services at her website which is avalonspirit.com um before we close, if you are new to this show, if you want to see any past episodes, go over to sedgebeer.com, click on the video uh, tab, or you can go to uh, youtube.com forward slash TV and you can watch every single episode. Um, I hope you want to watch every single episode. Uh, that's it for this week. I'm Sandy Sedgebeer, and I'll be back at the same time next week with another 10 best interview for the No BS Spiritual Book Club. Till then, it's goodbye from me. Thank you again, Jeanette. Thank you.